isn't the, we'll have this, and I think just one more time, and, and we should be, this is front and back, uh, and then I've got another one. some things as, as we approach any uh, topic of scripture, or even scripture itself. Um, the best interpreter of scripture is scripture itself. And so we always must see, um, uh, use the, this basic principle that the Bible interprets the Bible. And uh, this is very important for a number of reasons, uh, not the least of which is that not all scripture is equally clear. And so what we always want to do is make sure that we use the most clear passage of Scripture to help us interpret those passages which are maybe less clear. Okay? That's a, a, just a real basic uh, understanding of uh, one of the rules of uh, the interpretation of Scripture. One of the things, or some of the things that when we look at Scripture, especially in light of the end times, that pretty much all Orthodox Christians are going to agree on is that Jesus is coming again. And that when he comes again, he receives his people to be with him. They'll be with him forever. Um, and that we'll be together with the Father. We know that when the end comes, we see in uh, Revelation um, 21 and 22, it's going to be good. And so it's a good thing for the believers. We know that uh, we see from several passages, and we're going to see this again tonight, several passages teach us about the end for the believers once Jesus comes back, that the old is gone, the new has come. Sin will no longer have the effects that it has on us now. And all the brokenness that we see, brokenness with our bodies, whether it be our backs, or our legs, or our hips, or our eyes, or whatever, all that brokenness is going to be gone because sin will no longer have the effect that it has on us today when Jesus returns. These are just some areas of agreement uh, that uh, any Orthodox Christian would have with any others, even if they don't all have the same views. There are uh, basically, um, this is a broad sketch here, there, there are four major positions, okay? Uh, that Christians hold today and have held uh, over the years. Uh, some of them have uh, developed uh, through the process of years, but uh, in alphabetical order, those positions are what's called uh, amillennialism, which is a kind of a, not the best uh, term for it, but uh, you might call it realized uh, millennium or something along those lines. Uh, then there's dispensationalism or dispensational premillennialism. There's 
historic premillennialism and there's postmillennialism. We'll go over those again some more next week. Um, but I gave you, I think I give out sheets that, that kind of give you an overview of those, those four major positions. We have looked at, in the, cor in the course of uh, our study here on the end times, we've looked at major passages of scripture regard usually that people look to in regards to the end times. We looked at Daniel chapter 9, looked at Matthew 24, Romans 11, 1 Thessalonians 4, and Revelation 20. Now, instead of dealing with particular individual passages, we're going to deal with some themes, some major themes that we find regarding uh, the end times. Certainly, if you're talking about the end times, you're familiar, you may be familiar with the term last day. There's actually uh, terms last day and last days. Last day, that, that'd be singular, and then last days, plural. Uh, and they're, they're kind of used in different ways, but tonight we're going we're gonna to focus exclusively. Well, uh, we're, we're not necessarily going to look at last days, but we're going to look at last day, okay? That particular term, last day, is used, uh, what do I say here, six times in the New Testament, and they're all in John's Gospel. Um, and, but I, I think any study of the end times, we need to see what the Bible says in regards to the last day. Okay, and so we've got all these passages in John's Gospel, and we want to see what it has to say about the last day. So I need volunteers. Uh, John 6, there are four. All right, you get all four of them. Uh, John 11. All right, John. John, get John 11. And John 12. Anyone? Okay, David, you got that. And then um, I'll get the John 5 passage there at the bottom. John 5 is not last day, but it's something quite close. You'll see that in a minute. Okay, let's see what each of these passages tell us about the last day and what is going to take place on the last day, okay? So let's look at that. Uh, Glenda, you've got all three. Um, but just read one at a time there. <clears throat> 639. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Okay. What happens, Jesus says, on the last day? Raise him up. Raise him up. So everything that the Father gives him, he will raise on the last day. So there's a... Resurrection, right? Resurrection of the just, correct? Or the believers? Resurrection of the just. Okay, uh, next one. 640. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Same thing, right? He's saying, on the last day, I'm going to raise them up. So all that the Father has given me, I'm not going to lose any of them, but I am actually going to raise them to new life on the last day. All right, the next one. 644. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. Okay. Again, he's saying the same thing. I'm going to, on the last day, I'm going to raise 
those that the Father's given. I'm going to raise believers, right? There's going to be a resurrection of believers, okay? Uh, 654. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Okay. You think Jesus is making a point about something happening on the last day? What's he going to do? He's going to raise the judge, raise the believers. There's going to be a resurrection of believers on the last day. Okay. Jesus, when is this going to happen? On the last day. The last day. <laughs> Well, um, let's see, John 6, he said 39. Yeah, it, but because he's talking about all that the Father has given me. Um, and so he's not, it, all that the Father has given me, he is speaking specifically of individuals. But since he says all instead of those whom he, he I think is the way it's supposed to, is the way it's understand, we should understand it. I shall lose none of all that he has given me. And so he's, he's not dealing with it necessarily um, as a human, but that, that's what he's talking about. I mean, it was just because he's keeping with the... Uh, I've lost of words here, but anyway. John eleven twenty four. 24. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Okay, now this isn't words of Jesus. This is not Jesus saying it, but Martha saying it. And so they, there was an understanding among the Jews at that time of a resurrection. And the general resurrection. When would that general resurrection happen? On the last day, right? <laughs> he doesn't correct her for that, but he does. So he, go, he goes on then and says, I am the resurrection and the life. He believes in me. Well, uh, live even though he dies and, and so on. John twelve forty eight. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will, will judge him on the last day. Okay, new idea, right? What is the new idea that's introduced of something else that's going to happen on the last day? And Jesus is speaking here. What's going to happen? Judgment. Judgment. Particularly for who? Believers? Lost. Yeah. The lost, those who are not believers, so the unjust, maybe. Okay. <clears throat> so, from the six passages where this particular word is used, talking about the last day, we see two ideas that are going to happen to take place on that last day the resurrection. Of the just, Jesus is going to raise them up, and the judgment of the unjust. These are words of Jesus, for the most part, except for one with Martha there. Now, <clears throat> compare that to, there, there's the same concept, but it uses different words here in John 5, 28 and 29. <clears throat> Jesus speaks and said, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and will come out. Uh, those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. Um, so he, he, he calls this, let's see, 28 and 29, right? He doesn't call it the last day. 
but he does uh, call it, um, I thought he called it the last hour here, but I'm not seeing that. He says that there is a time coming when this will happen. So a time is coming. What's going to happen at this time? Another concept. I see John 5, there's, there's a bit added here with, with this concept of something that's going to happen at the very end, right? So he's, I'm not calling it the last day, but yet it is the same idea. The time is coming uh, when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and will come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil we will rise to be condemned. Huh? Well, there there is an idea of judgment. The dead are raised. Are raised. Yeah, all the dead raised, right? Right. And judgment on who? Yeah, on the just and on the unjust. So from John, with this concept of last day, we see some things from the mouth of Jesus that's going to happen, right? It's going to be a resurrection, certainly a resurrection of the just, and that is going to be a resurrection uh, to, to life. Um, and though, but we see here there's going to be a resurrection of all the, or, or all the dead are going to be raised for judgment, both the just and the unjust, and that the unjust will be judged at this time and be condemned, he says. Right? They would rise to be condemned. Right? So these are some things that we see here from this concept of the last day. And, uh, All right, <clears throat> keep that in mind. Oops, All mine's on the front of the page, so you flip it over. What does the New Testament teach us regarding the judgment to come? When will it take place for the righteous and when will it take place for the wicked? So let's look at this. We just read John 5, 28 and 29. When is judgment going to happen for the righteous? The same time. The same time. For the unjust. And the same time for the unjust, right? It seems that from this passage that this judgment is going to take place at the same time for the just and for the unjust. Okay? Matthew 5, 31 through 46. Who wants to read that for us? I will. Okay. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. 
For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And, then, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Okay. Who's being judged here? Just and the unjust, right? When does it take place? Same time. At the same time, and when is that? Well, Jesus says at the beginning, when, when the Lord comes. When the Son of Man comes in his glory. When the Son of Man comes in his glory. All right? When the Son of Man comes in just and unjust. Same time? Does it seem to be at the same time that this is happening? Okay. Yeah, same time. All right, Acts. Uh, who's got that? David, you got that? Somebody get uh, 2 Corinthians 5. Okay. And uh, I'll get 1 Thessalonians or 2 Thessalonians there. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Okay. Everybody's going to be judged, right? The just and the unjust. When? On the day that he's appointed, right? On a fixed day. So Acts. What chapter? 17. 17. Yeah. So that would be both the just and the unjust. On a fixed day. Wait a minute. Seem to be at the same time. Okay. All right, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5, 10. It may be some more in there. I don't remember. No, it's just 5, 10. Okay. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Okay. So we must all appear seemingly to be at the same time, right? To... Stand judgment for what we've done, either good or evil. So this would be both the just and the unjust appearing at the same time before the Lord. Okay? Um, 2 Thessalonians 1, 5 through 10. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right and that as a result you will be accounted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble on those who trouble you and give relief to those who are troubled and uh, to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. Um, okay, so this is both the just and the unjust at the time 
when Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those. Amen. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from uh, the majesty of his power. On the day he will come uh, to be glorified in his, uh, in his holy people and be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believe our testimony to you. Okay, once again. Same thing, judgment coming for both the just and the unjust on the day that our Lord Jesus appears. We see in Revelation 20, um, in Revelation 20, uh, verses 11 through 15, <clears throat> this is after Satan's doom, uh, Satan's destroyed after he rises up a while and then he is... Uh, <clears throat> Then he is destroyed. He comes up in rebellion against God, leading some astray, and they come up and, and he's defeated by Christ. And then uh, Revelation 20, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up uh, the dead uh, that were in it, and death and Hades would give up their dead uh, that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. There again, each person, everybody, whether just or unjust, being judged at the same time um, here at the throne. Um, do any of these passages on final judgment teach two or three or four separate final judgments. They all teach final judgment happening at the same time. Okay? Um, I believe to suggest that they happen uh, at separate times, um, you, you would have to show it to me somewhere in Scripture. Now, I think I covered at least all the major passages in the New Testament regarding judgment. There may be some others that I didn't get, but I, I, I'm pretty certain that you're not going to find another one that will convince you or me that judgments happen at different times, that the final judgment takes place at separate times. Okay? I think that's very important for us. We'll see, hopefully see some more importance to this next week. You'll understand why we're <coughs> emphasizing that. Now, I want us to go on and consider a few more things that happen at the end, we've seen in the at the uh, last day, there's a resurrection of the body, right? Um, we're going to look at the resurrection of the body. We're going to look at what the Bible tells us about when Christ returns. And we're going to look at the end of death and the restoration of the earth, okay? Because these are all also issues that take place uh, at the end, and you'll see. Um, number three there, when will the bodily resurrection uh, take place. Somebody at 1 Corinthians 15. Can I get somebody else to get? Can I get somebody else to get 1 Thessalonians 4? All right. We got 1 Thessalonians 4. <clears throat> Acts 24. Okay. All right. 1 Corinthians 15. Do I have that? Okay. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. 
Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling, twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. The trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. Um, when will the resurrection of the body take place? What's it say? When Christ returns, right? In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet will sound. And then there's going to be a resurrection. Right? Okay. So that's what we see there. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. Rejoice on... Sorry, I was in the wrong place. Okay. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a, cr with a cry of command, uh, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That's when there's the resurrection. When Christ returns, right? Trumpet. At the trumpet. <laughs> yeah, and there's a trumpet sound. There's a resurrection that happens at this time. Who's going to be raised? We already looked at uh, John 5, 28 and 29. What did we see about who would be raised? Everyone. Everyone. Both the just and the unjust. For uh, judgments, what we saw in John 5, 28 and 29. Somebody got to have Acts 24? Okay. Having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. Okay. Resurrection of both the unjust and the unjust. This will take place when? Christ returns, right? Resurrection of the just and the unjust. Is it going to take place at different times? No. doesn't seem to be. It doesn't say that it will be at different times. If Maybe there's some other place that would tell us that, but I'm not aware of it. So. All right, let's go on. Number four. What do the following passages teach regarding Christ's return? Um, let's see. I'm already at 1 Corinthians 15. I've got that one. What have you got? I'll take one. Matthew 24. Okay. You still in, in 1 Thessalonians 4? Okay, we need 2 Peter 3, 3 through 15. I'll get it. Okay. All right. Matthew 24, 36 and following. I can't remember. <coughs> Should have put the end verses there for you. Go ahead. How far? <laughs> okay, well, let me see. 36. Looks like probably through the rest of the chapter. Um, possibly. Just go read through 38. 36 through 38, I think. Right. Okay. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And, and read on to 41. I was in the wrong chapter. <laughs> and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Okay, what do we find about the return of Christ here? There's several things he tells us about it there, right? What are no some things we find? Huh? No one knows the day or the hour. Nobody knows the day or the hour. It's going to come suddenly. 
it's often talked about like a thief. He says him coming like a thief in the night, and it's the the the, the uh, equation with thief in the night comes several places, um, not just uh, here, but it, it, it comes often there. So nobody knows. Nobody knows. What else does it tell us about here? <clears throat> Like it's a normal day. Yeah, it's gonna be like it's a normal day. Could be like today. Right? Normal day. Everybody's going on about their business as they always have gone on about their business, and then all of a sudden the Son of Man comes. And when he comes, um, he, he talks about the two in the field. One will be taken, the other left, and uh, uh, two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, and the other left. Um, and then he goes on, like you said, you reading on like through the rest of the chapter. He's telling us to to watch and be careful because we don't know um, the, the day or the hour he will come. And so the idea is, it, it would not be good to to get caught uh, unawares and misbehaving at that time, right? You don't want to be doing that when the Lord comes. And so you, there's a sense of judgment there as well. So Jesus is coming. He's returning. We don't know when. Nobody knows. But uh, that he will come like a thief in the night. And it will, does seem to include some judgment. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we always will be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Okay. So Paul's talking encouragement to them, and he's talking encouragement to believers, and so he is dealing with the resurrection of the believers primarily here. Those who have died and gone on, as we talked about a little bit in uh, individual eschatology, you, you, you die, and if you're a believer, your, your spirit, your soul goes to be with the Lord. And so it says when the Lord returns, there's this trumpet sound and all this, and lo and behold, all those who have already passed away, they're coming with him, but they don't have their bodies yet, right? Your glorified bodies, and he says, well, they're, they're going to come up and be with the Lord then, and then uh, we're, we're, uh, the rest are caught up together with him in the air, right? He's bringing those with him, and then the believers here are caught up. So we see this, and we also see this idea of a trumpet sound. So we see some, some familiar things uh, continuing to happen at the return of Jesus. First uh, Corinthians 15, 51, 52. Where I read this? Did I have that? And I do. <laughs> okay. First Corinthians 5. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in the flash in the twinkling of the night, the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and will be changed. That's a good thing, right? We've already talked a little bit about the change that comes, right? And he talks about this change is imperishable and it's uh, in glory and... Uh, it's uh, in power, and so it's, it's a good thing we see coming to return to the Lord. Second Peter 3, uh, 3 through 15. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last day with scoffing, 
following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the, for ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of the waters and through water by the word of God. And that means, and that by means of this, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stopped up for the fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slow, slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that you should perish, Um, but that should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved? Okay. And that yeah, that's, that's good. We've, we've got, I hope we've got the idea here. Uh, Christ's return or certain things going to happen, right? He's telling, telling who to be watching for it. Huh? Yeah, believers. You, believers, you need to be watching for this. This is going to, be, this is going to happen. Um, God's not slow. He's not slow in, in, in doing this. Why has he not um, already come? It's that Peter suggests to us. It's not explicitly stated, but it's an awfully strong implication. Waiting for all who should come to repentance. We're going to look at that again in just a minute because there's a strong implication with this, okay? But so he, he's not come yet, but he's not slow. He knows when he's going to come. He will come. When he comes, um, there's some more things that are going to happen. What, what do we see is going to happen here? Is there a cosmic element to it? Like yeah, it's a cosmic element. What is it? What happens with the heavens and the earth? They're going to catch fire. They're going to catch fire, right? <laughs> Incinerated. But it, it's, it's, it's a, a, a destruction of the old. And what happens then with the destruction of the old? We have the new appear, right? He destroys, the, he destroys the old so that the new can come in. And this is exactly, I think, what we see happening 
in Revelation 21 where you see the new heavens and the new earth coming in. Anyway, um, so in, in each one of these passages, I, I, I don't see it suggesting that there are two stages to his coming. Not me personally. I don't see that. So in any passage which talks about Christ returning, there are a lot of the same elements in all of them. And, you know, the whole idea of a trumpet sounding and the shout of the archangel and these things and the, and, and the resurrection and judgment. You, you see all these things happening at Christ's return. Okay, number five, we just kind of uh, alluded to this. Um, but let's, let's go ahead. We don't have to reread it. But according to 2 Peter 3, 3 through 15, why is Christ uh, returned late? Waiting for all to come to repentance. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What is the implication regarding this? What happened after Christ returned? What about somebody coming to the Lord? Can't. Can't. That seems to be a, an awfully strong implication. He doesn't say it explicitly, but my goodness, it's pretty close, isn't it? Once Jesus comes again. The reason he's delayed is because after he comes, there's not going to be opportunity for people to repent again. Okay. I, that seems to be pretty clear teaching to me from Second Peter. Okay, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 24, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. If you want to question that, I can read it to you. But it says that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. When will this happen? When is death to be destroyed? 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 57. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor the perishable, in, the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in the flesh and twinkle of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, uh, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, but the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. When will the last enemy, which is death, when will the last enemy, death, be des destroyed? When Christ returns. So if death is destroyed when Christ returns, is there death after Christ returns? Except for the second death, the judgment that comes. But he's talking about certainly for believers here. So death is destroyed. At the, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And it is destroyed at Christ's second coming. According to... Uh, now, number seven here, according to Romans 8, uh, 17 through 23, you can look at that again later. It's talking about the cosmos being put in subjection to uh, the pain that it's going through, the whole world going through this pain. It was put under subjection not by its own will, but by the will of someone else. Talking about when, when the, the fall, when Adam fell in sin, it brought all creation under judgment uh, like this. And so all the the things that seem broken about the world were broken because of sin. And it happens then, but he's saying, you know what? Uh, creation is eagerly awaiting uh, a time uh, when this will be undone. 
and uh, in 2 Peter 3, 1 through 11, uh, what happens when Christ returns to earth? We, are, we just mentioned it. It's burned up, right? That's when it's incinerated. Christ returns, the earth is incinerated, and there's new heaven and new earth. That's what we see here. So I, <clears throat> to me, these are clear descriptions of things that are going to take place on the last day when Jesus returns. We're going to look at these things. We're going to review them briefly next week, and then we're going to look at them in light of the four different views and see which view you would think best fits with what the New Testament seems to clearly teach us regarding uh, the return of Christ. Okay? All right. Let me pray for us.